This episode is sponsored by High and Tight Screen Repair. High and Tight Screen Repair is hands down the best quality screen repair, pool and patio screening, and aluminum builds in Central Florida. You won't find another company around that cares as much as High and Tight. Oh, and did I mention they have unbeatable prices? Call today to get your free quote at 407-885-9385. High and Tight will get you right. Again, that's 407-885-9385. Yo, what's up everybody? Thanks for joining me again. Friends, family, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is. Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Until the Lights Go Out. Again, by my good friend, Pike. What's up, man? What's going on, man? It's good to have you again. It's just you and I today, no Etienne. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah, man. You know, (laughs) we got that guy with these crazy picks coming in. Honestly, Uh, everyone's probably thankful because he's not going to ruin their teams this week. No doubt. That's a good thing. Um, How's your week been, bro? Man, it's been good, you know, uh, finishing up this last week of fall for uh, the Weber Warriors baseball team, um, send them into their little off season before they come back in the spring and get ready to fire things up for the season. Okay. Okay. That's sick. Yeah. I, my week has been just what it was. It's just been work and hanging out with my son and just relaxing this week, thankfully. Um, oh, yeah. We had softball on monday night we went one and one we should have went two and oh but we're gonna let that one go but so i know that you brought up in a group chat that you etienne and i have that you have a bone to pick with etienne so we're gonna go ahead you told me a little bit before we jumped on here so we're gonna jump to the nfl and i'm gonna let you go ahead and and rag Etienne a little bit. I'm always down yes. for this. So yeah, my uh my good friend Etienne. Um, I believe you said something to the fact that this year DeAndre Hopkins is the most dominant receiver or the best receiver in NFL. But I just want to know if you've been watching any Packers games lately and watching what Devontae Adams has been doing to his opponents. Yes, he's been hurt. He missed th- two weeks on top of – he had a bye week. But since he's come back, it has been ridiculous. Came back, had a tough matchup against the Bucks. Good good secondary. Nothing – can't do nothing about that. Proceeds to go to Houston. 13 catches, 196, two touchdowns. Comes back to Minnesota. Yes, they lost, but seven catches, 53 yards, three touchdowns. If Aaron Rodgers is passing the ball, he's throwing it to Devontae Adams. He's going to catch it. He's going to score at least twice a game. And Kyler gonna Murray get and DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, Kyler Murray and DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, great duo. I'm just saying right now, there's nobody hotter in the league than Devontae Adams. And I feel like he's so slept on. 
and I don't understand why. Like, it, I guess Weird because of the there. injuries or hype or I, I don't know what it is, but he's definitely slept on. That man, my brother, is the biggest Packers fan that I know, and he brought up some numbers to me the other day, and I was just like, I was mind-blown when he was saying them about how Devontae Adams is doing. It's time to put I mean, some it's more like, respect. It's literally, it's literally him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's him. It's Aaron Jones is hurt. It's, until he comes back, it's going to be Devontae Adams' show. And if he's facing some weak secondaries, he is going to exploit them. And like I said, this week, when it comes to the Packers, I'm like, name me another receiver on that team. Just name me one that it, it you can't. Like, I mean, I can only because, like, I follow the Packers kind of close, but it's right. still, like, it's not a name of any relevance. And no. Devontae Adams is going to get that coverage. He will get double coverage, and yet he still finds a way to make it happen. That, that's the big thing. Like, you see these matchups, especially fantasy-wise. You're playing a ton of matchups, and, like, you'll have a ton of wide receivers that have very favorable matchups that just kind of don't perform for some reason. Right. I'm telling you, when this guy gets a matchup, he's going to take advantage of it. And Aaron Rodgers knows that. Oh yeah. Like I said, it's going to be, it'll be interesting Thursday. He's got San Francisco, but they've been kind of shaky. I mean, and then he goes to Jack's probably going to just tear them apart. Oh, he's going to get money. It'll be interesting. Chicago will be interesting. Then he ends up with Philly, Detroit, Carolina, Tennessee, and then back to Chicago. So expecting some really good stuff from him to end the season, especially because he is on my fantasy team. <laughs> so I'm going to need that. But, um, yeah, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, greater than um, – no, less than Devontae Adams. Yes. I would have to say I for sure agree this year. Speaking of fantasy players and needing them to score points – I don't know what has happened to Mr. Joshua Allen because he has been <laughs> non-existent for me, and I don't know what's happening. But if you listen to the first few podcasts, I did oh. nothing but rave about him. Maybe I should stop, or maybe I should start again. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think wrong. you should start. I think you should because I traded for him. And I need him to do the same thing. Yeah, I, I need to I need to go back and listen and take some tips because whatever I'm doing is is off because he's not helping me. I mean, he was single handedly putting my fancy team on his back and I was blowing people out and I was undefeated and since I now have two losses and it's not fun because I don't get to talk trash to my family. So I mean, I think it's kind of the fact that, like, you know, I mean, he had four straight games going over 25 fantasy points. And then in the last four games, it's been 18 or less. I think it's kind of – I think defenses are, on one, getting in shape and getting better without the uh, preseason. And then, two, they're just kind of figuring them out. They're figuring out what kind of offense they're running over there. They know who to cover. Correct, and yeah. He's just he's not getting he's not getting any end zone looks to throw touchdown passes which is like, I mean, that's what you need out of a fantasy quarterback. You need him to throw touchdown passes. Yeah, no, that's but true. on Josh Allen's part, he's not hes not really running any either. He did have one – he had one last week, but that kind of salvaged his uh, fantasy day for the most part. So, yeah, and it seems I think like he'll be all right. he hurt his shoulder um, a few weeks back, 
um, he, I don't even, he did a weird toss and when he fell on his shoulder, he hurt it and he went in um, early before halftime. He went into the locker room and it's been, he's been kind of hesitant, it seems like within. So I don't know if there's something underlying that they're just like not bringing up, you know, but like when he played Kansas City, it was, it was rainy. And so I guess in some defense, he has a little bit of leeway with me, but I need him to step it up because if not, um, I have to come on here and start bashing a little bit. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. So my next question is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do you think they are legit or not legit? I think that defense is legit. Okay. No doubt. I think they're really, really good on the defensive side. Um, I mean, Watt, Watt by himself is just a playmaker. It's fun to watch him play. But, like, that secondary has been locking it down, man. It's, like, really hard for, like, to get any kind of, like, receiving corpse going, in my opinion. Offense, I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, they click one time, and then, like, last week they kind of were like, eh. And then, like, they'll come back probably next week and have a really good game altogether. But it's going to be interesting. I think the defense is going to keep them in this. They has a very good chance of keeping them undefeated, in my opinion, just because it's that good. Yeah, they're good offense, all around. We'll see because, I mean, he's got plenty of weapons. Big Ben does. I mean, you've seen what uh, James Conner can do. You have Schuster. You have Deontay Johnson. And then Chase Claypool comes out of nowhere, and he's a beast. Well, he's plenty of, plenty huge. Of weapons. It's huge, yeah. I think the thing with that offense is, and it's like, and it's not to knock him, but I think it is just a little bit past, you know, his time. Is I think that Big Ben is doing. I think Big Ben is like a game manager right now. Like I think if mm-hmm. if you take that offense and you remove Big Ben and you put, I don't want to get, I don't want to say something outrageous, but say like Joe Burrow, you know, say for some right. reason they were able to get him and put him in that offense, I think that offense would be clicking because he's a gunslinger and he'll put it in those mm-hmm. those receivers' hands. But I think that Big Ben has been kind of a liability with things. You know, I think right. that they absolutely – no offense to that team when you listen to this, but I think they ball out this week. Like, I have the Steelers' defense, and they might well, single-handedly win it for me against the Cowboys. That's what I was about to say. They, they are facing the worst – football team ever in Dallas, so <laughs> Oof. it should be a, like like I'm, I have Deontay Johnson and Claypool and I don't know who to play that's my thing as a fantasy manager but well put yeah, I mean, Deontay legit, in, dude because I have Deontay so we can either celebrate together or we can mope together that's, that's so I mean that's what I'm doing right now so we'll see but like last week the dude goes <laughs> the dude goes off two weeks ago and then this past week catches one pass yeah, so. that's true. It's tough, man. That, that's the weird thing about fantasy. Um, I'm looking at the Steelers' schedule right now, and they got the Cowboys Very this favorable. week. Then they got the Bengals. Then they got the Jags, which I think that's three mm-hmm. straight wins. Then they play the Ravens again, but this time it's in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a toss-up game. Um, you know, I think that actually – Everyone was saying that, like, talking about the game, you know, this past week. But I think that that game actually favored the Ravens because it was it was rainy. And I think that the Ravens running attack should have won them that game due to rain. 
And I think if it's not rainy, I think that the Steelers can probably win it by probably 10 points. Um, For sure. And then they got Washington, the Bills, the Bengals again, the Colts, and then the Browns. I don't think they go undefeated. I think they drop one in there somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think this team might be legit. They could be. There's someone to watch. You know, no doubt. They're good. So, speaking on football, moving over to the NCAA, what did you think about Clemson without Trevor Lawrence? You know, I didn't watch a ton of that game. Okay. I watched the second, I watched the second half. I had, we were, we were gone, we were out of town for a little bit. I came back and got to watch the second half of the game. When they were, I think they were how many, they were down like what, like eighteen or something like that. Something like that going into half. Point? Yeah, I think it was twenty eight to yeah. ten going into half. Yeah. So then, yeah. Um, not gonna lie, I was like, hmm, this is gonna be interesting. But um, I don't know how to say his last name, but DJ. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching him on, uh, I think it was QB one on Netflix. I think he was the backup to one guy on there, and mm-hmm. they were saying, oh yeah, he's going to Clemson and stuff. Uh, He's got some tools, man. I think I think he's he knows how he can throw the ball, he can run the ball. He's yeah. kind of just like he's he's a he's a, a younger Trevor Lawrence in my opinion. Okay, honestly, but he is definitely not as honed in to the aspect of the game as Trevor is, and you could tell right off the bat because that offense just did not click. Right, clearly in a high powered offense, but I mean Travis Etienne just took over the game. For them, I mean, without him, they lose that game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the dude's the all-time ACC rusher, leads leads just about every any running back category in the ACC, I think now, which is impressive. But um, yeah, I think this week is going to be extremely interesting because Lawrence technically could play, but he's not going to be conditioned to play. And, uh, that's what Dabo said. So I'm going to start DJ again. Uh, against Notre Dame, which is going to be a dogfight, I think, and it's going to it's going to really shape up some uh, playoff predictions. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Now, I asked this question when because on Saturday, uh, me and a couple of the guys run a video game, and I asked them this question. I want to see your opinion. If Clemson was to drop the game on Saturday. Being a one-loss ACC team, which the ACC isn't a super strong conference, um, do you think they still have a chance um, to make it to the playoffs, or do you think that would kind of just knock them out, being that they're only playing ACC teams this year? I think it'll be it's going to be a really close call, honestly. Because I'm looking at the top, I'm looking at the top twenty-five right now, and say they do lose Notre Dame. I'm assuming they'll probably drop to like five or six area, depending on what happens with Georgia and Florida this weekend as well. But um, I think they, I think depending on what happens when Trevor comes back, and if they, I think they'll have to ball out, put some points up, and hopefully, you know, kind of hope that like maybe Ohio State drops a game, or you know, even Cincinnati drops a game, they could sneak in there. Um, and kind of just happen to see maybe what happens with the SEC championship game as well, you know? Yeah. But it's definitely not – I think it's not in their favor if they do lose, for sure. 
it's a lot of stuff's gonna have to go right for them. Now I want to look up Cincinnati's because I had a question about that for you also about Cincinnati's um, schedule and who they play and because there's a lot of hype on them, right? Mm-hmm. And so pulling up their schedule here. Let's get this to load. Their their games that they play, like they have left, they have Houston, they have East Carolina, they have your second favorite team, UCF, (laughs) they have Temple, and then they have Tulsa. I'm looking at this schedule here, and I personally, they beat Austin, PA, they beat Army, South Florida, they blew out, you know, SMU. But to me, looking just at this at this stat sheet here, I don't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't give them a bid, even if they went out. Yeah. I don't care. They wouldn't get a bid from me personally. I for sure. I can understand that. I'm just going off the fact that they are five and zero. Oh. They are ranked six. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm saying you're saying they're they're ranked six above like a seven and zero oh BYU. A five and one Miami, and you know a four and one Oklahoma State. I mean, that's kind of saying something in my mind, because usually in, in in years past, like UCF goes undefeated, and I mean the highest they get up to is like nine, right, in the rankings. So I don't know what I mean. The committee must think something about them to put them at six, in my opinion. But uh, like you said, I mean it's gonna it's. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be – they would have they would have to blow some teams out too, I think. Well, what I mean, I'm they curious have, they about – They would have to blow UCF, UCF out. Yeah, for sure. I think they'll have to blow like, – I mean, I think they'll have to win by like – they'd have to win pretty unanimously for the remainder of the year. But the good thing is, is right now we're only with the AP. Um, I don't know when they plan on releasing the playoffs just because some teams mm-hmm. have more games left. Some only have – like, it's so different this year because some, some teams are only playing this many and like – it's all around. Um, I think that, you know, just looking at the at the top 25 here, um, I think that A&M could possibly sneak in depending on how they do the remainder of this year. Um, I think that you're going to end up seeing um, Alabama is going to make it out of the West. Um, and then you're going to have you got Florida, Georgia this weekend. Um, and where I think the difference with this is, is I think that you could get a two SEC team, but like in the playoffs. But I think that it would take Florida versus Georgia if Florida wins or Georgia wins, whatever the case may be, for an East team to get in. I think they would have to beat Bama in the sec championship yeah i think that and that's how you'd get an east and a west because i think texas a&m could possibly win out i am not looking i don't have their schedule right in front of me um but i think that i think the winner of florida georgia i think that they they'll win out they'll go on to you know they'll go on to atlanta um same thing, you know, I think Bama wins out, but I think A&M keeps winning. I think they keep creeping, you know, 
Florida wins, Georgia's going to drop. Um, and then it's just kind of moving forward from there. Notre Dame and Clemson are playing. So, you know, someone there is going to drop. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It could get, it's weird. I, this year, I don't know how this stuff's going to shake up. I think Wisconsin's going to, going to drop one because their quarterback's gone for what, three weeks? Their first three are gone for a little while. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a problem. They, they proposed postpone the game this weekend and, uh, that's probably a good thing. They had their four string going, I think. So Yeah, he was probably like, uh, I'm just here for school. I'm not trying to play. He probably they probably just went to a random classroom was like, Hey, does anybody know how to throw a football? Yeah. It's probably just like Florida did years back. I remember they did a tryout for kickers and I was like yeah. like I couldn't believe what was happening back oh, yeah. then. So yeah, I I don't know. If you had to take a look at this top 25 and you had to give me a four-team playoff, what would you, what would your playoff be? I mean, it's just, there's just so much that can happen these next couple of weeks, man. Like, especially with Florida, Georgia, um, you know, I think Alabama, even if they, even if they lose in the SEC championship game, they're going to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Ohio State's going to kind of run the table. They'll probably get in. Um, Clemson, if they win this week, will definitely get in. I think it's going to come down to like, we'll figure out what these like five through eight, maybe even BYU at nine, what they can do, you know, because I don't think, I think whoever wins the Florida Georgia game is going to slide into that four seed, in my opinion. Okay. Just because that is a massive matchup. And I think they'll bounce over the Cincinnati team. For sure. Unless a, unless A&M blows out uh they have south carolina this week i'm looking at their schedule south carolina ole miss auburn tennessee lsu so pretty favorable schedule in their opinion they only have auburn as ranked schedule or ranked opponent but um i mean if i'm going down to the wire i think i think it's going to be alabama ohio state i think clemson's going to sneak in and i uh, that's this last seed's interesting, man. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I feel like I have to wait and just kind of see how the next couple of weeks play Keep out. Keep that one pending. I think uh, it's going to be if I was to give you my top four, I think by season's end, I think you'll see an Ohio State at number one. Just because I feel like Clemson might have a little bit of struggle in there somewhere that they're like, Ohio State just blows all these teams out. They move them up. And I think my order would be Ohio State, Clemson, Florida, Bama. That's the top four. I'm just going gonna, gonna to rock with that and say Florida pulls off some type of win. Um, I guess. So you're basically saying Florida is going to win against Georgia, then they're going to beat Alabama? In the SEC championship. Okay. That's okay. just a biased pick. I'm just going to roll with it. I, I, I understand. See what we can get going here. Yeah. So, all right. We are going to transition over into the Masters. It's not this week, but it is next week. But I can't guarantee that I'll have you on next week because you're a busy fella. And (laughs) I need someone to talk Masters with me. All right. So, number one, I don't know how long you've been watching the Masters or how long you've been watching golf. 
But tell me what one of your most memorable moments from the Masters is, if you have one. I'm going to go back to last year, man. You know, I started playing golf probably like six or seven years, but like kind of got like wanting to myself to get better at golf in the last like three years. So like, I mean, during like, especially with all this quarantine stuff going on, when golf started back up in June, I mean, that's all that was on TV for a while. So I was watching golf every weekend. I mean, I watched it during the season. I watched it last year. And I just I just like watching things so I can pick up on things that'll help me in my own game. Right. And like I really just started liking watching golf. But um I can go back to last year just knowing how like prestigious the Masters is and Thursday and Friday watching at home and then that weekend my family, um my wife and my son Stetson, we went to the beach for the weekend. And so we were over in uh, Jensen Beach, and I was sitting in the hotel room watching Saturday. And then Sunday comes along, and, you know, you just start to see the the goat of golf, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, making his run. And, like, you know, we were trying to pack up from the beach a little bit, trying to get back in the road. And, like, I literally just, like, could not take my eyes off the TV and just – mesmerized by what this guy was doing at his age and all he's gone through and i remember just about to close the hatch of the car and watching him sink that last putt seal the deal and then the giant fist pump running over giving this kid a hug and stuff was just like i mean it'll probably be etched in my head forever because of how iconic it was and the massive comeback he had after all he's gone through over in the past decade which right is unbelievable yeah i was gonna say that that one there, you know, I, I've grown up with golf has always been in my blood. I was like four or five years old and I was on the course, you know, with my father, my grandfather, you know, and my grandfather is the the one who started it all. You know, he got my dad into it. And um, so it's just like I've always been around golf and I and I know when golf season comes around because, you know, my grandfather always had it on always like it was something I'd be like you know oh who's leading and that was how it used to be but then I got into it and it became our thing um and I remember last year you know we were watching it and it was kind of like you know we both wanted Tiger to win but it's kind of like you know when someone's about to get a hat trick and you know you don't talk about it it's just kind of like you know or no hitters like don't bring it up and so we just like we were both kind of looking at each other and looking at the screen and like, is it, is this about to happen? And I remember watching him, you know, walk into the green and you just see that crowd just with him. And it was just insane. And I'm man enough to admit that when he sunk that putt and he walked up and hugged his son, I was teary eyed as they come. Oh yeah. man, I was just like, I don't know what he's doing to me, but I feel like a basket case, you know? That comes from being a father, but man, it's just cool to see a comeback. You know, I get it. There's a lot of wrong that he did in his life, but you know, that comeback story and him being a changed man and the things that he's, you know, how he's become and back injuries and just all of that, man, it's like you said, it'll be etched in my brain for the rest of my life. And that's something that I'll tell my son's kids. And, you know, hopefully if they're in the golf, it's just that there. Yeah, I'd love to see him do it again this year, but even if he doesn't, I'm 
forever grateful for that moment. Um, oh, yeah. So looking at the Masters odds here, um, I know that you – I'm looking on CBS. What is – which one are you looking at? I'm on Golf Digest. Okay. So I have Tiger at a 28-1 to 1 odds to win. What is he okay. on there? Okay. He's at he was at twenty five to one. They pushed him to thirty five to one. Oh, okay. Recently. He went further back. Yeah, but like I mean, if you if you watched golf this just over the past couple months, mm-hmm. like he hasn't he hasn't played good. Right. Yeah. I mean, right here he's gone tied tied for fortieth, tied for thirty seventh, tied for fifty eighth, tied for fifty one, missed a cut, and then tied for seventy second. Right. In the tournaments he's played in this year. I mean that this dude he's old, he's getting old. And he like still like this is a, a testament to how hard this sport is because this dude's been a pro a protege since he was what like six years old. I would say since he's been he's a played, little boy. He's played Augusta he's played Augusta so many times and like he knows every inch of that course, but you still have to execute what you're doing. Of course. And he's going up against these dudes that are younger than him. And they are some dudes in the golf game that are really, really good. So I can see why his odds are that low. Right. Yeah. Me too. It's, you know, like you said, he is getting older. It does suck because, like, my brain doesn't want to doesn't want to cope with that. It doesn't want to accept that. No, um, not at all. So looking at this list here, this is what we'll do. Pick someone on this list that's not – in the top 10, I don't know what your, your top 10 looks like, but someone out of the top 10 of your list that you would like to see, it could be a biased pick. It doesn't have to be someone that's, you know, really rocking out right now, but out of the top 10 that you'd like to see win. And I'm hoping we don't pick the same person. So, I mean, I'm sure your list is different than mine, but, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys I think that like, you know, it's kind of like just any given week, man, guys play differently and stuff. In my heart, I really want Jordan Spieth to play good. I like Spieth. He's probably my favorite golfer. But he's had, kind of like Tiger, he's had a really rough 2020 so far. But if I had to pick a guy that's going to have a, I think he's going to have a really good chance because he's been playing so well, it's going to be Tyrell Hatton. Okay. He's at 40 to 1 odds right now. But I have been watching him play this year and I mean just about top 20 every single tournament this year. Um he won the BMW PGA a couple weeks ago at when he was at 50 to 1 odds. So I mean I think he's hot. I think he's coming in at the right time to this prestigious tournament and I'm not saying he's going to win but like a guy who is lower down, I think he has the best chance to win. Yeah, no, and it's more, and I'll, you know, even if it was a bias pick, like even if you like him, you want him to win, that's kind of what I was shooting for. Because I think you yeah. and I both, I mean, if someone was to ask us right now, who do you want to win? I think we're both picking Tiger, obviously. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. My pick, uh, just because I've always liked this guy and I've always kind of like related to him, um, is Ricky Fowler. Um, okay. That's my bias pick, who I'd like to see win. And Jordan Spieth is the other. I was going to bring him up. That's why when you started bringing him up, I was like, uh-oh. Um, but I like Jordan Spieth as well. But Spieth or Fowler, I would love to see 
you know, if Tiger can't do it, I'd love to see those two. Because like you said, it's golf. And, you know, you could be the best golfer in the world and go out and just have a terrible performance. Like something just isn't going right. Yep. You didn't sleep well. You know, golf is, you know, I I can't stand when people say golf is an easy sport. And I'm like, please, if you believe that, please just, I'll go out with you. I'll pay for our round. And I want you to just show me how easy it is. Cause it's not, yeah. you know, it's not at all. It's crazy. Cause like I saw a thing, it's the same thing about it's with baseball players as well, that golfers and baseball players can be amazing athletes in other sports, but those athletes in other sports can't always be great athletes in golf and baseball. Yeah. Especially baseball. That ball is coming at you. You know, extremely yeah, fast. For sure. Speaking of baseball, I am going to give you your platforms to talk about this because you said you have a lot of points to make about, you know, decisions that were made within the World Series. Um, obviously, Etienne and I have opinions, but you've actually played, you know, professional and you are a pitcher. And so you have more of an understanding as to what decisions were made and if you agree or disagree. Um, so the floor is yours. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because I'm lost. So I'm ready to I'm ready to learn. All right. Yeah. So backstory, if you don't know what we're talking about, Dodgers up, I think, yeah, they're up three to two in the um, World Series uh, raise, it's win or go home. Dodgers still have an extra game left. If they lose, it's okay. Uh, Ray sent Blake Snell to the mound. Um, by all aspects, did about as good as you can possibly do for the amount of time he was pitching and came into a situation in the sixth inning where two two nothing ball game, and um, Snell gives up a hit to the 9-0 hitter, uh, Austin Barnes. And Kevin Cash, the manager, takes him out of the game, um, which caused a giant uproar from not only Rays fans, but baseball fans in general. Um, I'm not sure on Blake's exact numbers. I know that he was – I watched the game. He was extremely dominant. I'd given up one hit, one hit up to that point. Uh, no walks, nine strikeouts. Like I said, about dominant as you can be, especially in that type of game. Um, yeah, took him out of the game, brought in a reliever. Reliever uh, gives up a double, which gets guys in second and third. And then um, pass ball scores a run. And then a uh, fielder's choice to the first baseman uh, with Mookie Betts running, probably one of the fastest runners in the game. He scores from third, tie game. 2-2. Two, two. Um, Dodgers end up going on to score another run and end up winning 3-2 and win the World Series. But the cost of concern from everybody was why did Kevin Cash take Blake Snow out? Um, and I have opinions and feelings for both sides of the argument that can happen. Um, so that's kind of what, what I'm here for, kind of just to talk about it. Um, I reason with Kevin Cash on his decision to do it for a lot of reasons, not only analytical, but more kind of like a, hey, we're the Tampa Bay Rays. This is the kind of baseball we play anyways. 
the Rays have been known since Cash has been there to have a very stacked bullpen, which this year had the most dominant bullpen in baseball. And they've been known to like put let their bullpen guys go out for the first inning of games as an opener, throw one inning, bring in the starter, let him throw five or six innings, get back into the bullpen. And they've been known, especially in, in this World Series, to put their bullpen into games in the fifth, sixth inning when it's when need to be because they have Kevin has that much trust in his bullpen. Like I said, like that doesn't get away from the fact that like, hey, you have a pitcher who is absolutely dominating right now. And I totally get that argument, but I'm going to side with Kevin Cash for multiple reasons. Um, one, because in that situation, as dominant as he was, Blake hadn't been throwing that way most of the season. You know, especially because that was um, one reason, I think, is because Snell hadn't gone more than five and two-thirds innings in any game since dating back to July 21st of 2019. Partly because he missed he missed a whole month of baseball. He was hurt. Okay. Came back in uh, September, pitched a little bit. Um, pitched in the playoffs, I don't remember how that went, but uh, even with this shortened season, the highest number he went was his last start of the regular season. He went five and two-thirds innings. That's the most he had thrown. He was in the sixth inning. He was going in. He had it was, he went five and a third innings. So one, that's a that's a cause for concern. You don't want to go through that again. I mean, I get it. He's conditioned to do it, but it's a whole different ball game when you step out and like your body's in a kind of a shock. Like, wow, I haven't thrown this much in a long time. So that's one reason I think. The other reason is that he was coming to face the order, the Dodgers order, a third time through, meaning. He had, they went through one through the first nine batters one time and then them again. So they were coming on their third at bat, which if you're a pitcher and you know baseball at all, that's kind of like, okay, that's when we have to kind of make some changes in how we're going to pitch to these guys, how we're going to attack them, how we're going to set them up and stuff. Because most likely he's those hitters have seen everything he's thrown already. So whether it's a slider or a curveball changeup, Fastball's up, curveball's in the dirt. They've seen it. And not only that, they you look into the dugout, these guys have 15 iPads. They can see yeah. anything they want at any given time, what he's going to do in any situation, what Blake's tendencies are in one-two counts, anything like that. And not only they're facing a third time to the order, they're facing the Dodgers a third time to the order, bringing up Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner. I mean, that's a scary one-two to the face. But – not to cut you off, you go into that. I have a, I, yeah, I go do ahead, have go a ahead. question about like, because I know what it what it's like playing sports and like not necessarily making a. I wouldn't say making a mistake when you throw a pitch and in it, you know, and a batter gets a hit. Because I think you have that that not. It's not like throwing an interception. I think that's almost like, I think an interception like compared to that is like giving up a home run. Um, but when you start to when you throw these pitches and these batters start to get hit. So I'm not talking about where they're creating a route on you, but you know, like where you, you like going through a second, you know, a second time through and you got two or three hits on you. Could it be that cash did that for the reason of like, okay, he's going to start, he's going to start shaking off certain pitches because, Oh, he, you know, this got hit or, you know what I'm saying? When I, when I, with that, like, 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, that's kind of – that's not – Kevin Cash was a catcher. He knows he can look at a batter and kind of tell what their holes can be. But Mike Zanino, the catcher for the Rays, is also an extremely intelligent catcher. And he was playing every single day because he is a very, very good catcher. Because if you look at his batting, he went like 0 for 16 in the World Series. It was not, or like 1 for 17 in the World Series. He ended up getting a hit like his last at bat, I think. So most of the time when you – with that situation, the catcher, you kind of rely on your catcher. Like, yeah, you might want to throw a certain pitch and like you might have more intent to throw that pitch. But most of the time you're going to trust your catcher because – he knows that batter sometimes better than that batter might know himself. That's his job. Okay. I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't but, know like, yeah. Cause I know that sometimes you can be, you know, I didn't know that about like how smart the race catcher is. Like I like to watch baseball, but I don't know the ins and outs, you know, like is what I can talk right, NFL sure. or, you know, talk golf and different things of that nature. But that's why I was curious. I didn't know. So I'll let you continue on, you know, I know you got stuff written down, but that just, I'd been thinking about that and I didn't want to get too far past it before asking um, just to have that understanding. So yeah, I feel continue yeah. On. So um, like I said, Blake was going through, he was starting to go through the order the third time, which is going to be one, two, three facing Mookie Betts with the guy on first and one out. Um, this is where the game got analytical, but also it's like, watch what's going to happen. I mean, not watch what happened, like, watch what your pitcher is doing. So this season, the first time through the order, hitters were fa- hitters were hitting a 140 off a of Blake the first time through the order. The second time through the order, they were hitting 307. And then you jump to the third time through the order, they're hitting 304. That's just this season in the shortened season of six right. games. So if Kevin Cash 100% knows this stat. The pitching coach knows this stat. So they're like, mm, okay, Blake gets hit around the third time through the order. We know that. Not only do we know that, we know that he's facing the Dodgers. Right. Lineup. And so that's a mega, a major decision that came to the factor of why they pulled him at that point. And Cash even said in an interview, he said, you know, in my opinion, Blake had done more than his job. He done. He did more than we thought he was going to. Right. And I, I 100% agree with that. Most of the time, you don't see starters go more than five or six innings in a massive game like that because your bullpen does have roles. In an ideal situation, your starter gets through six innings. You have a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, and then you have your ninth inning closer. Which, I mean, I, ideally, if Blake doesn't give up that hit to Austin Barnes, a nine-hole hitter, he's probably going to get a chance to have Mookie, get Mookie Betts out. A whole different story. But there's always a but when it comes right. to that. If you go back the first two times through the order, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner were 0 for 6 with 6 strikeouts against Snell in that game, the first two times they bet. So there's your but. And then you back it up even further when uh, Snell threw, I think, game one, I think he could do game one, Betts and Seager, including the first time Snell faced and that game, were one and nine with six Ks. So people are looking at that stat. They're like, mm, like, 
thing. Like they're they they literally could not touch Snell the whole series. Why don't we give him a chance? And you go on top of that, though Blake Snell is has hitters hitting 304 off of him the third time through the order. The Dodgers as a lineup that year were only hitting 215 when facing a starter the third time through the order. So that's numbers that like that's your big but like yeah we think Snell did more enough but he was shoving why did you take him out right so that's where a lot of people get the like the man like ride your horse get on he's shoving give him a chance to get the outs go with your best pitcher but technically you you couldn't say that Blake Snell was your best pitcher coming into that game. Because if you go back to the guy who came into the game in that situation, Anderson, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, was the best reliever in baseball that year by far. And Cash knew that, but Cash also knew that that uh, that postseason that Anderson would struggle. I think he had thrown like thrown like seven innings, six or seven innings, and given up a, at least one run in all seven appearances. So, but you're thinking of, wow, this is our guy. This is the guy we go to when we need to get out because he is our best pulpit arm. You don't shy away from that because that's what's got, that, that's what got you. Right. Going. So, and you can't also put all of this on Blake Snell and Kevin Cash because if you look, the Rays did not hit at all that series besides a Rosarina. I mean, even that game. They scored one run and struck out 16 times. Yeah, I think that they want to find, like like you said, you know, there's a reason they were in that situation. It's not – you can't just, you know, you can't look at, oh, game six, and then it's like it's here. You know what I mean? Like you, this is the reason why. And it's like, yeah, you know, that was – in some people's opinion, it was a crucial decision. But, you know, mm-hmm. especially after listening to what you uh, you know you've had to say, and listen to your numbers and your stats and everything, which it makes a lot more clear for me, um, you know, and a better understanding for me that, again, you know, if hitting is better and, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. You know, it's just like Etienne brought up last week, what was a bigger choke, that or Pete Carroll deciding to throw the ball instead of running. And it's like, I get that that was – a terrible decision, but mm-hmm. it didn't have to go to that. Like he didn't have to be there, no. you know? And so it, there's a lot more that plays into it and it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. You know, I'm actually glad you cleared that up. Cause I mean, I had no idea to me. I, I mean, even yeah. him making that decision, you know, he's the manager for a reason. <laughs> and so it's like, yep. you know, I'm going to trust his decision. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't – that's actually mind-blowing to me. I'm actually glad that you brought yeah, all that up. I mean, I think – yeah, I think there's like just two two to three main points to take away from it is that, you know, just like I said, the Rays had only scored in one run and ended up striking out 16 times that game. That in itself, you look at it as a manager as, dang, my team cannot hit the ball right now. Like, we, we cannot hit. Like, we're not scoring any runs. Our one run was off a solo home run. I need to I, – I can't let this game get away from us. So, I'm going to do what we're good at, which is getting to our bullpen. Right. 
I'm saying if if Anderson goes out there and gets a ground ball for Mookie Betts and turns a double play, this conversation is never happening. Right. Yeah. It's the baseball is such a game of inches and a game of just timing. And it's like it's just like he put Mookie pulled that ball down the third baseline. That ball was hit three or four feet to the left, and it's a ground ball double play. And that's just a lot of people don't see it that way because it's just it's just hard to see it that way when you haven't either played long enough or just like studied and watched it. Right. Long yeah. But I'm 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 siding with Cash, just because I I've watched the Rays play for a while. I know how they work, and I mean he went to what's worked for them in the past, and I don't see why there's any other reason you don't do that. And just like I said, it could be a totally different game if a ball's hit three feet the other way. So. And I mean, if you if you look in any interviews and stuff, like Blake himself is like, you know, I really wanted to be out there. Like, I was at my best, I thought, and I think I could have beat them at my best. But I'm not going to go against what Kevin says because Kevin is my manager. He is an unbelievable manager. He's the reason we got here in the first right. place. So I'm not going to second guess anything he does. And there's multiple other guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, Brett Phillips, other all these other dudes like just are raving about how good of a manager he is and they don't second guess a single thing of what he did. And even Anderson himself takes a lot of blame for that. He says, you know, I wasn't at my best during the postseason. That's my own fault. I was having some arm issues. I wasn't throwing as hard as I usually do. But, you know, that's the name of the game. You live and you learn. I think if they get into the same situation next year, I probably is going to happen the same the same way, in my opinion, just because that's how Kevin runs his teams. And it works because you don't get that far into the postseason having like the third or fourth lowest payroll in MLB facing the number one payroll. Yeah, so, and not be good. I'd leave it Yeah, no, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And that it clears a lot up for me because, you know, I was watching and of course, like you said, I, I you know, with playing wise, I didn't play any type of deep. And so it's like, you know, I only know what I know and like what I've learned from you and, you know, and there's, cer- there's certain things, even from you and I playing, like, I know slow pitch in baseball is different, but it's certain things of playing certain bases, certain ways. And like, I learned that now because of stuff you taught me. Um, and like, mm-hmm. and things I've learned along the way of just watching baseball. Cause I kind of always enjoyed, you know, watching it, but it's something of that nature. And like you said, you know, with turning the double play, you know, I wouldn't have known that from, you know, if that ball is hit this way or this way, that it would be, you know, turned better. And so I think, like you said, there's a lot more that goes into, there's a lot more that goes into it than just what his decision was. Because like you said, having that payroll, that team with that type of payroll, clearly he's great. You know, he's great. Uh, honestly, you can say he's better than good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in all reality, you know, he took it to the Dodgers. You know, they took it to game six. And that's a, yeah. you know, one game away from making a, you know, it's do or die. Um, and so. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I'm, I'm really glad you came on and said that because, you know, I'm sure – the listeners are going to enjoy hearing that. But as for me personally, you know, getting to hear it firsthand right here, um, that taught me a lot that I didn't think about. Um, and I didn't have a, you know, either here nor there on it. I didn't have a decision. Um, I like seeing the Dodgers win, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But 
as for I if the Rays had won, all trolls aside, because I love to troll, you know, especially Tampa Bay fans. But um, right. if they had won it, that'd have been really cool to see it come back to Florida. Um, but yep. yeah, that's that's very interesting. It honestly, blows my mind hearing all those stats. Stuff I literally had no idea. But now I'm gonna start paying more attention to, um, especially in situations like that. Um, so yes, that's mind blowing. Um, yeah, man. So moving on to what I consider my favorite part of this, just because I get to hear my friends, all of my friends, uh, top five. <laughs> We're going to do, and I'm pretty sure before I get completely bashed because Etienne and I, I mean, I don't know about Etienne, but I certainly got a lot of critics that hit me up, either text message or in my inbox or over phone calls about my top five last week for WWF wrestlers. And I tried to tell everybody that it was going to be biased. I tried to let them know because I didn't really, I mean, I watched it growing up, but I haven't watched it since. And I didn't, you know, I'm not 80 years old like my dad and know some of those wrestlers back then. Um, But we're going to do top five cartoons. So, you and I are close in age, so I want to see how similar our top five is. All right. So do, do you want to run this? You go your top five, I go mine, or vice versa, or do you want to go five, five, four, four, et cetera? How do you want to? I'll let you pick. Yeah, I see. I like it that way. So we go five, five, four, four. All right, like cool. I'll let way. you lead off. You go with five. All right. Kicking off number five was. You know, one of those shows that just never disappoints, in my opinion, was the Fairly Odd Parents. So, I, I, <laughs> I haven't watched that show in so long, man, but I just remember all the time, like, it was me and my brother are close in age, we're 18 months apart, so we would always watch these shows together. And just, like, all the situations, like, Timmy got into with uh, Cosmos and Wanda and then always you always see like the Doug Dimmodo yep. stuff pops up every once in a while especially on TikTok and stuff so I don't know, it just made me think of it brought back a bunch of memories so that's that's my number so five. our number five is the exact same um I did fairly odd parents Dang. on there as well <laughs> so that's we're starting off the same um you basically said it all the fairly odd parents was just one that I feel like growing up it was I don't know. It's just a fun one to watch. You know, there's one I'll bring up later, just in case it's in your top five that for some people from like around my age, they loved it, but me, I couldn't do it. But the fairly odd parents always was like you said, it was a fun one and watching, I can't remember his name. The guy that was always trying to, um, trying to catch Cosmo and Wanda. Um, yeah, I yeah. can't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I can. Yeah. Find it was, um, uh, Trying to see if I can remember pre find it. Let's see. Yep, Mr. Mr. Crocker. Crocker. Always trying to catch <laughs> them. And when he sensed them, he twisted his body like a pretzel. And so you're number four. You go ahead and do your four. We'll okay, swap cool. off like that. Because I want to see what you got before I drop Okay, so my there. number four is going to be the Powerpuff Girls. Oof. And so I had a t- 
tossed back and forth on what I wanted to, what I wanted to put here. Um, but number four is the Powerpuff Girls. And it's just because they're always trying to beat up Mojo Jojo. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. That was just always one of my favorites. What about your number four? Oh, I love that. I thought about putting that in there, man, but I just had some other ones that I watched way more often. But um, my number four is going to be like the OG Pokemon cartoons. Okay. Yeah. So like when we when, when I was younger, like up in Lake Wells used to be the uh, Toys R Us oh, yeah. there before it closed down recently. So like I, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like six or seven. My brother was a year younger than me, and we would collect Pokemon cards. And on Saturdays they would have these like trades and like battles you could go up to toy store or toys r us and play against other kids and stuff and we would i know exactly what you're talking about it was a blast man i do it was a blast we, we did it quite a bit and then like i had these giant sets of cards and i was like i remember just being like so into the cards like i'm just watching the tv show like i i don't know I, just, I don't remember a ton of it but i remember a few times watching it and just brought up some again some good memories from hanging out with my brother and beating kids up and Pokemon, man. It doesn't get better than that. That's... It does not. I got Pokemon in there, but it's a little later, so I'm going to save that one. Okay, so okay. now it's your turn for number three. So three, we're going to drop in Dexter's Ooh, Laboratory. That's a good one. <laughs> so... I remember watching this show all the time, man. I I I love Dexter. These these cartoons back then, man, were just different than they are now. And it's just like I feel like there's more like crude humor, right? In a lot of them and everything, and like, you know, like his sister Dee Dee always <laughs> messing with him and everything. Just like I don't know, I I enjoyed watching it. That's my number. Three. So my number three is Ed Ed and Eddie, and. Oof, it doesn't yeah. with that show man it was just i always wanted to get a jawbreaker for some reason that was like i knew realistically that couldn't fit but <laughs> yeah. i was just like i feel like it just looked so cool and i was like i just want to walk down the street or I'm like ride my skateboard and i just want a jawbreaker in my mouth and i just want to just be walking mm-hmm. down the street thinking i'm the coolest thing around like all of them did especially the leader you know I don't know why, but oh, I just yeah. thought that would have been the coolest thing around. Oh, so yeah. my number two, and this was back and forth for me um, on which one I wanted to put it one and which one I want to put it two, but my number two is Rocket Power because okay. that show right there, if there was a crew, especially when I was younger around that age, if there was like a if there was a crew that I would want to hang out with, it would have been the Rocket Power. You, you know, that crew and just surfing, oh, no. skateboarding, oh, riding bikes, just like they did everything. And uh, I, I just feel like that would have been, that would have been a clique that I'd want to hang out with back then. No doubt. No doubt. What's your number two? So going, yeah, so going to my number two, you said it already. Ed and Eddie's two for me, you know. I. <laughs> Talk about, like, when you go back, like, if you could ever watch an episode, there was a lot of, like, that crude humor they would talk about and stuff. And just, like, it was such, like, a 
a basic show, but like just like it was so like dumb that it was hilarious. It's just that like dry humor and stuff. These such dry humor. It was, I mean, these three dudes that like, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of a couple of them right now. It's just like, how did this even take off? It's like, it's like you hear some rap songs nowadays, like the lyrics are just such yeah, and you're like, how is this popular? Like, how do people yeah. even like that? Like, yeah, <laughs> the shows is it's like that. It's like they just make it, they make it's it something make about the way they make it, so, and then you laugh, yeah. and it's like you keep watching it, yeah. And oh man, oh, yeah, no doubt, yeah. And so, I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go into my number one because you said it again, Rocket Power can't go wrong with it being at number one. So, I mean, you, I mean. Dude, like I, I remember just binging this show when I was younger. Like, I mean, rec- I mean, I don't know how long ago it was, but pretty recently, I went back and tried to like watch some episodes on YouTube or something that Same. I remember watching, and just like checking out Ra- Otto, Regina, Sam, Maurice, Lars, these dudes. It's just like their dad, Raymond. Dude, it's just like where, was it this? They hung out at the Surf Shack. Is that where? Yeah, the, the Surf Shack. Yeah. I think. Yeah, dude, man. it's just it brought back some cool memories. Just because, like, I I grew up with sports and stuff, and these dudes are like skateboarding, surfing, playing all these like motor, not motocross, um, BMX, BMX, like, skateboarding, and everything. It was just like cool, to, cool. That was like one of the only shows back then that like really involved like some sports. Right. So like, I automatically attracted to it. Hundred percent. So, definitely my favorite childhood. Yeah, it's cool for me too. Like with that, going back a little bit on it, it's like I get to show my son. Um, you know. One that I get, I've actually been showing my son recently is like Dragon Ball Z, um, which isn't, it's not on my top five. Um, but that's another one. It's just cool getting to go back and show them. But my number one, I kind of gave it away earlier, um, is Pokemon. Um, I remember mm-hmm. just back when, I don't know who I was going to listen to this, but the ones who don't know, there used to be these things called VHS tapes. And my grandmother <laughs> would get blank ones and I would put them in the VHS player and record episodes so that I could continue to watch them. And it was just, I loved watching it. Like, I think if you liked Pokemon back then, like with the cards, you know, I just recently been watching stuff like and looking up stuff on the cards like if you have a first edition holographic charizard that's in like great condition you're basically filthy rich um just because of how much they're going for and it's crazy to look at those cards that like we shoved in our book bags at one point and just like threw all over our ground and now it's like what they're going for is just astronomical um and mm-hmm. I think that, again, if you liked Pokemon back then, everyone just had that dream of having a Pokeballs in their book bag and being able to just battle somebody or just, like, having your own Pokemon to walk with you just wherever you go. Like, I just think that'd be the coolest thing yeah. ever. Um, again, Rocket Power and Pokemon flip back and forth at one and two throughout the day today. Um I just could not decide. I was like, man, but because Rocket Power, like you said, that was a, you know, growing up, I think Pokemon was like a competitive, like you're trying to win, you're trying to take, you know, take over gyms and um, 
I've always mm-hmm. been in the like competition. Like it's just like whatever it is, like let's compete, let's do it. And so seeing that, I was just like, oh, this is sick. But again, Rocket Power had like the sports to it, and so being drawn, you know, to that, um, you know, it's it's cool. It's like and like you said, the cartoons. I have a six year old, so. I get to see some of the cartoons nowadays and like some of them, like I just watch them. I'm like, how, who thought of this? And like, how did this even get popular for kids? Cause some of it's just like so far and like, I can't like, even I watch them like, uh, I don't know if you should watch that. You know, I feel like a lot of these are so innocent back then. Um, one I was going to bring up. Oh yeah. Um, that I talked about, I said, isn't in my top five and I wasn't a fan of it. Um, was Courage the Cowardly Dog because uh, yeah. I, I didn't like that one because I feel like that show only came on past my bedtime when I wasn't supposed to be up watching that show yep. and they had the Grim Reaper in there that was I feel like meant to scare mm-hmm. us as kids that was like hey go to 100%. bed like and go to bed now yeah turn your TV off yep <laughs> turn the TV off just lay down, think of candy and popsicles and just go to sleep because if not, you're going to have nightmares. Man. But, man, I don't even know what episode we're on right now. I think this is episode eight, I believe. Um, But, man, I really appreciate you coming on here with me. It's always a pleasure. Um, You don't even have to ask. You know, you're more than welcome. You just say, send the invite on whatever day we're recording and you know, you're more than welcome on. Um, I, I think our top five was very similar. Like I thought, um, very so similar, yep. that's yeah, why, that's exactly. why definitely based off that. And, you know, very similar in age sports. It, it all clicks. I see it now. This definitely solidified it. I think oh, yeah. I need to get you on for your, Not gonna lie, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you know, if there's any like uh, movie directors or anything listening to this podcast or having to listen to it one day, I'm telling you, before we're too old, you guys need to make a Rocket Power rerun and make a movie out of it. It'll blow I'm up. I'm telling you, they need to do it. I'm all for it. All for I'm it. I'm telling you, the, I, I guarantee. I mean, if you just, if you think about it, though, look, they could, they could happen so easy and it would just, it would take off anywhere from eight-year-old boys and girls all the way up to like however old we are when it happens i think it's going to happen one day people will love it they have to i think that they would literally pack out movie theaters if they put that everywhere because even people that didn't even people that didn't watch it i feel like would fall in love with that you know people that love the beach and just it has everything in it everything like it's just it's sick like i can't it's that's why it's so hard for me to pick number one. I was like, I just need a one A and one B, or I just need a tie because both of those, like, I watched both of them until I couldn't watch them anymore, basically. Um, and still to this day, like you said, I still go on YouTube and look <laughs> up episodes and still watch them like I'm a kid again. So, oh, dude, I'm looking up like a, a couple of like lookalikes you could do from each character and. <laughs> That rapper Ray, Ray Shremmer <laughs> pops up. <laughs> they look, they look just alike. Dude, it's and he, I'm telling you, you, could have some good actors pop in. It'd be sick. I'm telling you, there's, there's no reason that they shouldn't do it. 
I really think that that's one. I think I need to start writing some letters to people in Hollywood. They're probably never going to read it, but Dude, seriously. I'm at least going to try. And they can just... Dude, it, it, it's worth so worth it. it. So, Pike, I thank you, man, for coming on. Guys, tune in with us again next week. I have no idea who's going to be on next week. It's always a mystery um, who's going to be on and, you know, but it's always fun. It's always fun to get the top five. That's seriously my favorite part of this whole every week. I just love to hear what everybody's top five is. And I love to hear the reactions to the top five, um, you know, throughout the week when people listen to it and get on my case about it. Um, So, yeah, man, I thank you for coming on. Guys, thank you for listening. Again, share this, you know, listen to it. Even if you don't listen to it, just let it play and, you know, help us out. So, Pike, have a good night, man. I appreciate it.